And thank you guys for being here. Thanks uh, to Pastor Chris for last week. Wasn't that a great word there about uh, redemption, remission of sins? God, it was just uh, just good. We're, uh, we're in this new series this summer. We're calling it um, Big Ideas, okay? Big Ideas from the Bible. And today we're going to continue talking about big ideas from the Bible. It's been mentioned a couple times already this morning. I don't think people knew what it was, but... Uh, the words covenant, we're going to talk about covenant this morning, and I think there's been a lot of misunderstanding about what covenant is. Oh, oh, by the way, do me a favor this morning. Hey, I don't want anybody to even, don't think about these red balloons, don't, don't look at the red balloons, okay? I don't, I don't want those to be uh, just anything that's in your mind, okay, that you focus on. Um, so if you just wouldn't pay any attention to those, and just don't focus on the, just don't even think about the, uh, the red balloons that are uh, just right here behind me today okay? And, um, and, and so if you could do that, how many people say, I, we won't think about, we won't look at the red balloons, okay? All right, okay, let's see how that works out. But, um, you know, covenant, I think there's been a lot of um, misunderstanding about what covenant is, and, and uh, what we're going to do today is kind of just take a snapshot of, a, of covenant and what it is, because really, um, it could just, we could talk about it for weeks and weeks. It, it, it is God's demonstration of who he is and how he feels and how he interacts with people. And so we're going um, to take a snapshot of that and tie that in. Um, hopefully here, tie it in with what God's saying to us as fathers, as men, and as people of God today. Amen? Hey, anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Good. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, say, glad you're here this morning. All right, so covenant is a part of the identity, amen, well you guys did that well, well. Covenant is the, it's a part of the identity of our church, New Covenant Church, but I also believe that it's a prophetic declaration over us as well, and it's something that when we name the church, um, that we really didn't even understand fully the, the, the implications of what covenant meant, and so we're going to um, we're going to jump in that to, uh, we're going to jump into that today. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. So if scripture offends you, I'm so sorry. Um, we'll pray for you. If reading the Bible in church bothers you, well, um, well, we'll be praying for you also. Okay, but uh, if you want to take out a pen and a, a piece of paper, you want to grab your phone or tablet or whatever and make some notes. There's some scriptures here that you might want to go back and look at look at another time. Uh, on your own. So I'd really encourage you, uh, really encourage you to do that. So as we talk about covenant this morning, everybody doing good this morning? Nobody's focusing on the balloons. Nobody's thinking about the balloons, right? Don't, we don't want you thinking about the, the red balloons today. But uh, point one this morning that we're going to talk about is a picture of covenant, a picture of covenant. And in Genesis chapter 15, we really, Genesis, the whole, um, the whole chapter there, the whole chapter, chapter 15 is kind of a, um, it really is, it's a, a broad description, a great description of God's um, executing covenant with Abraham. And um, it's just a great scripture to read, a great section of scripture to read. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here. In verse 6, the scripture says that he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and God counted it to him for righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness. That's a word we're going to talk about a little bit here today. And it goes on, and then he said to him, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And Abraham said to him, Lord God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? And so God says, God, I'm making a, or God says to Abraham, I'm giving you a promise. And then God says, how do I know, or Abraham says, how do I know that the promise is a reality? 
And so God then begins to show him and give him a symbol of knowing that this promise would become a reality. In Genesis chapter 15, it goes on in verse 9, it says this, So he said to Abram, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Sounds like you'd make a good Christmas song, doesn't it? So he, um, he's bringing all these things, he's gathering all these things, verse 10 says, and he brought all, all these things to him, and Abram, he cut them in the middle, and he laid them opposite each other. So if we were looking at this, Abraham goes and he gets all these things, and he cuts them in half, and of course it's a bloody mess there, and, and then uh, he lays them out and basically makes a pathway to walk through this, um, this, this bloody mess, is what it is. And, um, and so what we see here being executed is a traditional covenant ceremony of the times. Now, covenant was executed, um, it was initiated, first of all, by a stronger person or a stronger king or a stronger kingdom to someone who was lesser, to someone who was weaker, who someone who was, was not as able. And, and what they would do, anybody here ever have a friend when you were maybe growing up and you were going to be uh, really best buddies and you were going to be BFFs and all that kind of, and you kind of a uh, spit in your hand. Anybody ever do the spit shake? Nobody, how many people here have ever done a spit shake? How many people say, I'm not going to tell you even if I did. So that's right. Okay. And so, and you, you've got this bond. Well, this bond went beyond that. And so what we see is they would execute this covenant, and this covenant was not just a covenant. It wasn't just a contract. It wasn't an agreement. What it was is it was a change of identity. And so basically what would happen would be they'd come to this agreement, and I'm going to be your strength, and if you get in trouble, I'm going to help you, and if you run out of resources, my resources are going to be your resources, and if somebody comes against you, then they're coming against me as well. And so this is what God's saying to Abram. He's saying to Abraham, he's saying, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to, I'm going to be, you're going to be my people. We're going to, we're not going to be separate anymore. We're not going to be separate identities. We're going to be one. And so at the end of these covenants, then the two parties would walk through this, um, through these cut animals, through these sacrifices, and they'd come out on the other end, and basically what they'd be saying is, we're no longer the same. We've got a whole new identity. What I was on that end, I'm not on this end. And, and it's interesting, as we read through this section of Scripture, in verse 12, it says this, it says, Now when the sun was gone down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, great darkness and horror fell upon him. So he's out of here. He's been working all day. He's prepared this sacrifice. He's set up this covenant agreement, and he gets tired and falls asleep. Now, I know nobody's ever struggled with that in church. There's nobody here who's ever been tempted to fall asleep in church. There's no, you know, but sometimes we get weary. Our bodies get tired. And, and the scripture says that Abram fell asleep. But when Abram fell asleep, God did something special. In verse, um, in verse 17, it says, And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven, oven um, in which I've seen that manifestation in our house, but um, I don't, uh, hey, 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 I'm sorry, babe. hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I need to be nice to her, she just gave me a beautiful Father's Day gift just before church, she gave me this um, Matt Draffin uh, dis- built and designed pen, and she said it signs checks really well, I don't understand what all that means, but, um, but uh, so anyhow, there's this smoking oven and a burning torch. 
And what we see, the smoking oven and the burning torch represented the presence of the Lord that passed between those pieces. And on the same day, the scripture says, that the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Now, I think there's something very interesting here that traditionally both parties would have walked through that covenant. Both parties would have said, our identity, we're, we're bound together, we're one together. But Abram's asleep. And when Abram could do nothing, God brings his presence through this sacrifice and through this covenant. And he says, because of what I've done, you're now going to be different. Isn't that a beautiful thing about covenant? About our God, that he does it for us. That he's the one. He does it all. What do we have to give? We don't have anything to give. All we are is the ones who receive we receive his love, we receive his grace, we receive his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness. We receive a new identity. God says that you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And then he begins to make promises. The scripture goes on and he says that uh, to your descendants I have given this land. I think it's interesting how God puts things. What's going to be in the future for us is already completed for God. Y'all missed a great place to say amen. Woo. All right, let's, shall we do one more? No, just go ahead and say amen, right? Okay, these things are real. These are done in God. And he says, I've given this land from the river Egypt, of the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, and all of these other ites are going to pass away. But you, have, with your new identity, holding the promise of God, you're going to come to a new place. You're going to be a new people. And God shows us that in this picture of covenant, that what was old has passed away, and what's new, what's now, is God's promise for our lives forever. Amen? Amen. So does everybody kind of get this picture of covenant, that it's, it's something that goes beyond a contract? It's always about life and death. And as a matter of fact, it's about heritage. If a, if a king came and made covenant with another kingdom, with another king, then that was a perpetually, eternally binding agreement. And that, is, that, that he was not only saying that he would be faithful, that he would be engaged with others, this other people, he would say that all of my heritage, all of the kings to follow after me, all of my people will now treat you like I want to treat you. And so we see that it had a, a big life implication. It had a, had a, big, um, it had a big implication upon, upon families, upon communities, upon nations. And today, okay, we're not just going to look at the picture of covenant. We're also going to talk about the power of this covenant, the power of this covenant. Now, let me ask a question. Nobody's paying attention to these red balloons up here, right? Okay, nobody's been looking at that. You're not thinking about them, right? Okay, I just wanted to be sure. So when we look at, when we think about this covenant that was established with God, and I believe in the beginning of creation, God established a covenant with man, a covenant of life, and that covenant is ratified, that covenant is identified numerous times through Scripture with Noah, with Abraham, and time and time again with God's people. But it's that covenant of life. It's, I'm your life giver. I'm your life sustainer. I'm the one who is for you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will bless you. I will keep you. I will, I will increase you. I'm going to give to you. On and on and on is what covenant, what God in his loving covenant says to his people. And so we see this begin, we see the power of this being lived out here in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 26. 
We see Jesus coming to the end of his life. He gathers his disciples together for Passover celebration. And when they celebrate Passover, he, um, he goes, takes them through commu- what we would call communion. And so while he's doing this, verse 28, six, I'm sorry, verse uh, 28 says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He's giving of himself to us. Just like God always gives of himself in covenant, he's giving of himself. And then he took the cup, verse 27 says, then he took the cup and gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. How many people are glad that today it's for everybody, that it's not exclusive, that it's for every man and woman, every boy and girl, every race, every, every tribe, every color, every, every um, person in the world, it's for everyone. And so he says, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. He's saying, listen, that, that this covenant is being ratified again, but it's being ratified in a new way. And what was a promise, I think this is very interesting, that covenant in the Old Testament was always about a promise of things to come. But covenant in the New Testament is about what is now taking place. It's about a reality. And so Jesus says, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He said, it's going to, remember Chris talking about last week, remission there? It's not just taking away sins, but it's taking away guiltiness. It's, it's taking away any ability for the enemy to, act, uh, to accuse us. It's giving us a complete new identity. And that's what Jesus says. He says, what was promised at the beginning, what was been promised throughout history is now a reality in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that it's not just a promise of life that we have today, but it's the reality of life that we have today. Anybody excited about that? Anybody say, I'm thankful that it's not just something that someday we're going to get. It's not just when I get to heaven, when I get to the by and by, then I'm going to get the good stuff, but we get the good stuff right now. We get the presence of God. We get the life of God. We get the forgiveness of God. We get the love of God. We get, the, we get all that God is poured into our lives because of this covenant relationship that he establishes with us. Man, that's powerful. Over in Hebrews chapter 8, it says this. It says, for if that first covenant, verse 7, says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, if it had not been lacking, then no place would have been sought for a second. He says, but because there was things lacking, because there weren't perfect sacrifices, because there was nothing in the Old Testament that was, that was um, sufficient enough to satisfy the justice of God, only Jesus could do that. Then the scripture goes on in verse 8 and says this. It says, because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. That from the time, listen to this. From the time of the fall of man, God's plan wasn't just the sacrifice of animals. It was the giving of his son so that in that new covenant that every person could have a new identity. Anybody say thank God for a new identity? Nobody's thinking about these balloons, right? Nobody's looking at the balloons, right? Okay, just want to be sure. So listen to this. He says this in verse 10. He says, for this is the covenant that I will make with them, with the house of Israel, He says, I will put my laws in their mind. 
Now, sometimes when we hear the word laws, we think about restrictions, but I don't think it's about restrictions. You know what God's really saying there? He says, I'm going to take people and I'm going to put into their minds the way that, the way that free people live. They had been, they'd been slaves. They'd been, they'd been gone from slavery to one thing to another. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put into your minds how righteous people live, how free people live, how, how people that are filled with grace live. He said, that's what I'm going to do. And so the scripture goes on and says, I'm going to put my laws in their minds and I'm going to write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And you remember the covenant? Remember, they walk through this covenant. They start as one thing on one end and they walk out on the other end as something completely new. They, they, they start maybe with no strength and they... They come out really strong. They start with no hope, and they come out filled with hope. They, they start helpless, and now they've got God as their helper. And do we see here what Jesus says there? He says, I'm going to be your God, and you'll be my people. He's giving us a new identity. He goes, in verse 11 says, And none of them shall teach his neighbor, and none, of, none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them, to the greatest of them. You know what God's saying here in this, when Jesus is saying in this new covenant, he's saying that it's not about one person, it's not about one patriarch, it's not about one high priest, it's not about one special person, but he says what Jesus is doing is opening the door from the least to the greatest for every person to have a new identity, have a personal relationship with the living God. A personal relationship with the living God. Verse 12, he goes on, and he says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. Anybody ever had any unrighteousness? Anybody, anybody ever had any sins, any lawlessness in their lives, right? You know, nobody's looking at these red balloons, correct? Nobody's thinking about them. Nobody's paying attention to those, correct? Okay. Okay, we don't want you to think about them, won't we? Okay. So he says that I, um, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. You know what? Unrighteousness requires a righteous judgment. But what God says in the place of righteous judgment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to execute righteous judgment on Jesus who was and who is the living covenant so that you don't have to receive judgment. We, we are judgment free in Jesus. Amen? That's good news, guys. That's good news. He goes on, he says, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. God's not remembering our, our unrighteousness. He's not remembering our lawless deeds. He's not remembering our sins. He's not remembering our shortcomings. Nobody's thinking about these red balloons, right? Everybody, you're keeping your mind off of those, correct? Okay, I just want to be sure. He goes on in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he says this. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Now guys, I want us to get this today. I know this is a little bit, a little bit deep, as Chris was talking about last week, some doctrinal stuff. But this is truth. We need to get this into the core of our being. We need this written on our hearts and we need this written on our minds. That what we were, we are no more. Amen? 
that, that, that what we used to be and what we used to be accused of and what we used to be blamed for, that's not what we are and that's not who we are because God has established not a temporary covenant, not just a one-day experience covenant, ju not just for the time when I get saved covenant, but it is an everlasting covenant. And nothing can cancel that covenant, folks. Nothing can cancel this covenant. And he goes on and he says this. He goes, and because of this everlasting covenant, I will make you complete. Somebody say complete. complete. Come on, say it like you mean it. Complete. complete. He says, I'm going to make you complete. Now, I don't want you thinking about these red balloons, okay? But how many people have ever thought about their insufficiencies and what they lack and the limits of their life and the, and the difficulties. And, and all of a sudden we get focused on all of these things that would cause us to say, I am incomplete. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will make them complete in every good work. Complete in every good work, complete in mercy, complete in forgiveness, complete in power, complete in strength, complete in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Why? To do his will. To do his will. Now, I know that there are people sitting here today that if, if they had a round to it, right, when I get around to it or if I had a, you know, if, when, I, when I get things straightened out in my life and when I overcome this habit and when I don't ever do this thing again, then I can do the will of the Lord. And can I tell you, that's not the way it works. We start doing the will of the Lord now because he's the one that makes us complete to do his will. Working in you, listen to this, working in you, in you. Men of God, fathers, look at me. Let me tell you, working in you, he's working in you. He's working in you. He's working in you. God hasn't stopped working in you. His everlasting covenant has not stopped working in you. It's working in you. And what's it working? It's working what is well-pleasing well-pleasing in his sight, well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and forever and forever. Look at that person beside you say, well-pleasing. Just tell them, say, well-pleasing, well-pleasing, well-pleasing. God looks at you and says, well-pleased, well-pleased. Yeah, but, but, but God, but God, nobody's thinking about these red balloons, correct? Nobody's got those on their mind, right? So if this is the truth, if this is the picture of covenant and that's some of the power of covenant, then, then let's talk about what's the practice of covenant, all right? Jump with me to Philippians chapter three. Paul says this when he writes to the, clip, the Philippian church, he says, but what things were gained to me, these things have I counted for loss. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish. You know, the way we think about things impacts how we live. Amen? Amen. The way we think about things impacts the way that, um, the way that we live. If we think 
that those failures of the past, if we think of those shortcomings of those past, if we think about the hurts and the wounds and the issues of the past, if we think about them, that they are mighty and that they're powerful and that they still speak to who I am and who I'm going to be in the future, it will impact how we live. But you know what? Get this this morning. If I think like Jesus thinks, if I receive what Jesus says, then I know that all those things in the past are nothing but rubbish. He goes, they are gone, they are lost, they're out of here, that I may gain Christ. And you know what we do? We start taking all of the fake, that's a pretty popular word right now, fake news, fake stuff, you know, and, and we take all of the fake things that the enemy says and that our minds say that we are, and we put it aside and we accept the real of who Jesus says we are. And that he says that we are forgiven. And he says we are alive. And he says we are righteous. And he says we are whole. And he says we are complete. And he says that we are able to accomplish his will and do his purposes and bring him glory in our lives. Then that is reality. And that is truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse um, 9 goes on. He says, and that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, it's not about our righteousness. It's not about us doing right, not about our good works. But the, it says that which is from the law, and the law was limited. The law wasn't sufficient, right? But he says, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is God, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, I want to stop here just for a minute, and let's talk about this issue of righteousness, okay? If, if somebody, if I was to come up to you and say, hey, man, are you righteous? I, I, I would bet that nine out of ten times, oh, no, man, I blew it this week. I got mad. I cussed. I kicked the cat. I'm not sure that's unrighteous, but, I, you know, I just, um, but, you know, and we would start talking about all these things that we do or that we've done or that we feel. Can I say that? Look, it's not about our righteousness. It's about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. His right doing makes us righteous. Now, why is this important? Fathers, this is why I believe it's important in your life today. Because I believe today, I believe today that in spite of everything that the world would say, in spite of what your emotions would say, in spite of what your thoughts would say, my thoughts would say, that God says that today I'm in a house that's filled with righteous men of God that I'm in a house that's filled with righteousness, righteous fathers, men who walk with integrity because they believe the scripture like what it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse seven. The righteous man walks with integrity. Why do we walk with integrity? Why do we keep a covenant with our eyes as the scripture says, that I will not look at any worthless thing, that I will not sin, that I will not uh, allow uh, myself to look upon a woman with lust. Why? Because that would, be cur that would bring a curse, but instead I'm gonna keep righteousness. I'm going to keep a covenant. I'm going to walk with the integrity of my heart because listen what happens if we do that. It says the children of the righteous are blessed after him. They're blessed after him. I know that there are men of God. I know that there are fathers in this house today, guys, and I am here to applaud you today. 
and to tell you thank you for living righteously. Thank you for being sacrificial. Thank you for being men of prayer. Thank you for men who may not be understood by everybody at work that somebody starts telling the joke and you turn your back and walk away. Everybody else grumbles and complains. You keep your mouth shut. Everybody else has got something negative to say, but you're singing the praises of God. Why? Because he makes an impact on your children and your children's children. Amen? And I don't know why I'm yelling at you today. I'm happy with you. I'm pleased. I praise you guys today. Listen to what Psalm chapter 103 says. It says, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children to such as keep covenant and to those who remember his commands to do them. Listen, when you're walking in righteousness, when you're living in righteousness, when you're following the commands of the Lord, when you're being honest on your taxes, when you're, when, you're, when you're being generous, when you're being faithful in all of the things that God puts before you, then you know what you're doing? You're establishing a heritage that your children and your grandchildren can walk in. Amen? And to, listen, I, I'm serious. This isn't in my notes, but the young people, some of you need to just stop and say, thank you, God for a father who takes serious about leaving a godly heritage. I am so thankful for that. The scripture tells us that. It says that a good man, a godly man, leaves an inheritance for his children's children, and it's not about just dollars and cents. I pray that it's an abundance of dollars and cents, but even more so, it's a heritage of righteousness. It's a heritage of faith. Amen? It really is. The scripture goes on, it says this in Psalm 112. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Fathers, do you see what I'm saying here? Your righteousness is causing your seed, your children, your children's children, all of your continuing heritage to be mighty in the land. I'm believing for some mighty young people in the land. I'm, anybody else agree with this? Man, I was thrilled. I heard a prophetic word this week that came out that said that God's getting ready to unlock the key of the door and release the millennials into an impact in the world like the world has never seen. You know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you, that is a, that, that's a righteous, righteous thing that God is doing there. It's a great thing. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth and the generation of the upright will be blessed will be blessed. Listen, part of the reason that we live the lives that we live is so that our children can be blessed, that our sons can be blessed, that our daughters can be blessed, that our grandkids can be blessed. Amen? Woo! Thank you, Lord, for grandkids. They are a blessing. We want them to be blessed. We want them to be blessed. The scripture goes on. It says, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness his righteousness endures forever, forever. Listen, I believe in a righteous perpetuation, a perpetuation of righteousness from generation to generation. I believe that it should increase in the house of the righteous. Anybody with me this morning? Amen. How else is the scripture going to be fulfilled in Revelation where it says of the increase of his government, there shall be no end unless it's an increase of righteousness in you and of his government in you and your kids and your grandkids. Amen. That's how it expands. That's how it goes from generation to generation and from nation to nation. All right, let's jump back to Philippians and wrap things up here. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says that I may know him. Remember, we were doing 8, 9, okay, over here at 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to death. Anybody thankful for resurrection? You know what res- what's resurrection about? Life. Life. What's the covenant of God about? It's about life. It's about everlasting life. It's about overcoming life. It's about victorious life. It's about continuing life. Amen? And that's what God's saying here. Verse 11 goes on and says, by any means that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, here, here's, here's the promise, the abiding promise. So much we experience in reality today, but there's still a promise that says that we will abide in resurrection, that though this outward man perishes, we're going to live forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Verse 12, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says, not that I have attained or am already perfected. Now we know that, right? Paul says, I recognize that. I recognize that we haven't all made it. I recognize that, that, um, that I, you know, that, that there's times when we've failed when we've missed the mark. Nobody's thinking about these balloons, right? Anybody think, but nobody, okay. You you know what it is? Here's what I hear going on in life so many times. I I hear people saying, you know what? Oh, oh yes, yes, I I love Jesus, but you know what? I've been, I've, I've got this struggle. I've got this issue. I've got this problem in my life. I've got this difficulty. And we let all those things define us. And I'm saying today that it's time for these things to go away in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to the scripture again there. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. We know that we're in the process of being perfected. So you know what? We don't have to keep track. We don't have to keep track of these things. We don't have to think about these things. We don't have to make an excuse. Yes, yes, I love Jesus, but I'm still struggling with anger. I'm still, I still have an issue with this or an issue with that. Now listen, I'm not being easy on sin. Jesus wasn't easy on sin. He shed his blood for sin, but it didn't stop with the shedding of blood for sin. It also says that he gave us victory so that we could walk in life, in resurrection life. So these things are not our ideas identity. Amen. I love this. He says, not, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ have, has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself as to have apprehended, but one thing I do, listen to this. Come on, everybody say one thing I do. He says, forgetting those things which are behind. Anybody been thinking about balloons? Forgetting the things which are behind, forgetting those things. Forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting those failures, forgetting those shortcomings. What does God say? He says, I will remember them no more. I remember them no more. He says, but this one thing I do, those things which are, uh, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward for the things which are ahead, I press, I press towards the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you? Can I go ahead, give him praise for that this morning. I am so sick and tired of, of seeing the enemy limit God's people by pointing to their past and pointing to their failures and pointing to their shortcomings. You know what? The, that's not who we are. Those things are, those things are gone. Amen? Those things are no more. So then what do we do? Listen to this. He says, I press 
towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Over in Philippians 4, I like what Paul says. Finally, in verse 8, he says this. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Let me ask you, what things are true? Are you still the same old person that you were at the, before there was covenant with Jesus? No, you're not. You're not a sinner. You're a, you're a saint. You're not an enemy of God. You're the beloved of God. You, you, you're not on the outside of, with God. You're on the inside with God. You're not limited. You have all of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ at your availability. Amen? So think on whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble. How often do you think about I, I, and I know this sounds funny. It's a different way of thinking. But how, how, instead of getting up today and saying, man, I hope I don't lose it. I hope I don't do this. I hope I can not eat that. I hope I can not say this. How many times do we get up in the morning and go, okay, God, what's the plan today? What have you got for me today? Where's my divine appointment today? Who am I supposed to talk to today? Who am I going to encourage today? Who am I going to bless today? Who am I going to pray for today? Who's going to get healed today? Who's going to get saved today? How am I going to, what, what word of encouragement do I have for my son or for my wife or, or what blessing can I bring into the place where you put me today? How, God, I'm guys, I'm telling you, that's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are in your marriage. It's who you are in your home. It's who you are on the job. It's who you are in your workplace. It's who you are on a campus. It's who you are. So he says, think on those things. He says, brethren, I'm sorry, he says, uh, and whatsoever things are, are just. What's just? Just is that the, the price that Jesus paid for me has completely taken care of all my stuff, Right? Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's, any, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Look at me, brothers. Look at me, men. Look at me, church. Meditate. Let those fill our mind. Let those things fill our hearts. Let that become the identity of who we are. Amen? Meditate on those things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And if you do these things, the God of peace, your God, will be with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to show you a video.